Paul Citro. Nick Hayes. Welcome to the show. Thank you. We're glad you're here. This is a special occasion, a celebration of sorts. Yeah, yeah. Because tomorrow is a big day for you. It's my last day here. It's your last day as an employee of Cumberland Heights. Yes, yes. Which is, you've been working here for how long? 40 plus years. Right. Yeah. It's insane. You've seen a thing or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, most definitely. Most definitely. I I um I was telling somebody today that the uh, uh the first uh um spiritual service in this new building was um because uh, it wasn't ready, the chapel wasn't ready, but there was a skunk in the small chapel on that <laughs> Sunday morning. And so they had to move it early to the big chapel. They didn't have a piano in there, so there was some guy who played the guitar for um, church music. Interesting. So was there still, like, they still needed to paint? It was still under construction, or was it almost done and they just— It was close, but yeah. it was not ready. Yeah. It was not ready, but it was ready that day. So 40 years is a long time, Paul. Um, your service is impeccable. Your impact— Truly. And that's not just me saying this. I have no reason to fluff your pillows today, but you've helped thousands of lives and helped build Cumberland Heights into what it is today. There's no doubt about that. Um, Was that the beginning of your relationship with Cumberland as an employee? No. I was a patient. Okay. Um, I was a patient in um, 81, and my sponsor— who I was out there doing the deal and going to meetings, and my uh, sponsor was a, a EAP for TVA. Oh, okay, he, he was uh-huh. buddies. He was buddies with the business manager, um, who uh, Harold Gilliland and Harold uh, the driver quit, and Harold was all set to go on vacation to Florida. Um, but couldn't go without a driver. So Harold asked my sponsor, said, is Paul doing okay? And, and he said, yeah. And he said, well, would he be interested in coming to work out here? And um, Bob, James, posed that question to me, and I said, of course. And so, yeah, it was a kind of a natural um, um, evolution. I never veered too far from Cumberland Heights, I guess, um, Patient and then uh, stayed sober a, a, a year. And okay, that's what I was going to ask. So it was, was about that? a year afterwards that you started. Sounds like driving vans, driving patients, yeah. driving driving patients to meetings, um, going on business office runs. I was the job was a driver, um, which I think now is a clinical associate. Right. Yeah. So jack of all trades. Something needs to be done. A patient needs to be tracked down. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Take yeah. the trash out. Roll call. Roll yeah. call, facilitating a lot of in-house meetings, uh, showing showing videos. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what program were you working in in um, the 80s? Was it the men's program broadly? Is that what it was known as? Well, they, yeah. They didn't really have separate programs so much. So it was uh, we didn't have an adolescent program. We didn't have a young men's program. The men and women were— were together, although they did. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, they did some groups separately, but they were together. Um, so they didn't live together in the same no area. No, no, yeah, no, they were they, separated. Yeah, separate cabins. Yeah. Um, were they in three hundred and four hundred? Where were they? 
Yeah, like uh, well, the, what we call now uh, Grace Place. Yeah, was that was the ladies' area? Okay, and it was, um, and then the the guys had these two cabins down here. Okay, yeah, and that's pre FLC. Just in oh, terms yeah. of people, we might even show a graphic. Is that also predate? Obviously, um, Hazel Hawkins wasn't there, which yeah. is where women's are today. And what about Templeton? Was Templeton not? No, Templeton wasn't there. Okay. Um, the actual dining room back then was where the group rooms are, The where the men's group rooms are. Really? Yeah. They just kind of chopped that up and made group rooms. But that was the dining room. So it was, it was a smaller place for sure. Because we had the two cabins. You had Crichton. You had the dining room. Cr- or- we didn't have that dining room that we're in now. That was That's kind of a newer addition. Oh, so what dining room are you referring to? Well, it's, you know, where the group rooms are, where the men's uh, counselors yeah. have office. In Crichton? Yeah. Oh, really? That was the dining room. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that that building's had a lot of iterations, I guess. And, and I know too that before we had William Anderson built out, the kind of call center area was medical. Yeah, I mean, it was the there was a little sort of businessy couple of offices there, right? So, um, and then periodically this this guy that that hired me Harold Gilliland was from Knoxville area and he uh he moved in a couple of uh, uh trailers um from the uh there was was it the World's Fair in Knoxville okay and he these trailers were were part of that he bought those had them moved down here and then that became a business office i don't know somewhere in a field Close to everything. Yeah, else. next to the, I think the primary parking lot there. I think that there's still some conduit sticking out of the ground from where those used to be. There's yeah. Some of the business office activity. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. So 1981, you started working here, or no, you were patient 1981. Right. So you started working here 82, 83. Yeah. Ish. What has changed about Cumberland Heights? What do you remember about the culture and the program, the people and the patients in the 1980s? Yeah, you know, of course the facilities. Sure. That, that's easy. Yeah. Um, um, there's been so many um, uh, upgrades and, and all that. The culture, you know, this was always uh, kind of known as the a great place to come get treatment. Um, uh, 12-step um, philosophy, um, just good good people. Um, it was, and there really wasn't that much in Nashville. Uh, I've learned since that I think the Samaritan Center was going before us. Right. Um, but that was kind of it as far as, uh, 12 step Treatment options. Yeah. Treatment options. Um, yeah. So, um, come on, it's always kind of, it. And not being associated with a big company, you know, a big uh, hospital chain or something. So, um, Cremona Heights has always felt like a good, safe, you know, uh, dependable um, place. That's not changed. Um, um, we've just gotten gotten a lot bigger, you know, uh, and um, you know, and the 
you know, there's a time and place for everything. Back yeah. then, it, there was a time and place where you didn't necessarily need to have um, um, a whole lot of credentials to work right. here. Right. Um, you had to be in a recovering person, and, and if you were a laid act, that was great, um, which is still great. Um, yeah, um, we have so much more um, um, professional staff now. So. Right. You know, that that certainly changed a lot. But, um, yeah, I was talking to Jeannie Laurent last week, and um, she was— she told me that I was I was a driver when she was a patient here, but uh, she ended up being the director of the um, program and um, my boss for a while. And she she came out a couple of weeks ago and she said, uh, "You know what? Cumberland Heights hadn't really changed at all," mm. which I thought was a, a great compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's, I would interpret that as a compliment. Oh you know, yeah, not a negative that we're you know. We're celebrating the tradition of how we were founded, which is really grounded in 12-step culture and also investing in the future in terms of being able to meet patients where they are with their acuity and the requirements that I think make us a better program from the state and our accrediting bodies in terms of more professional workforce and evidence-based practices and how we do treatment in 2023 is different. You know, it it certainly has changed, but but the spirit of Cumberland Heights I think remains strong, which is really grounded in community. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, well, that, um, you know, I think Cumberland Heights is even back then has always kind of felt like it was trying to keep up and meet the demands of um, just sort of the changes. And so we've mm-hmm. we've always tried to um, be professional, even though we were founded and sort of based in the twelve step. Um, uh, philosophy, um, but um, I just forgot what I was going to say. Uh, what you were? So let me ask you a different question. Yeah. So what came after the driver CA position for you? Recreational counselor. Okay. And then, <laughs> yeah, and it. Um, so I, I kind of followed Steve Mills around. Steve Mills was the rec counselor who got pulled to be the float counselor. Uh, so I became the the rec counselor, and then Steve went from a float counselor to a um, I don't know full time counselor, and then I became the float counselor. Uh huh. Um, in this whole time, I was working on my late act yeah. and all that stuff. Um, and this is you know over a period of years. But um, yeah, so um, so you and, went rec counselor, float counselor, counselor. I think maybe in the men's program. Yeah, yeah. It, I think uh, some of the counselors wanted to go on vacation. There was nobody there except for the uh, uh, the rec counselor who was working on his LADAC. And they were like, what about Paul? He can cover my group. So um, then, then a counselor in the men's program. And then the adolescent program opened up. In, in 85, right? 85, Around there, 86, yeah. 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 So... Um, some point after that, I, I moved over there and worked with adolescents. Um, That's when he started brushing shoulders, I think, with Randall Lee, who still works here. He was in that program. Is that correct? Yeah. Randall was, he was, um, Randall's like me. He's done a lot of different things, but he was, might have been the aftercare um, person uh, for the adolescent program. He eventually became the director of the that program. Right. In the um, the other 
um, the um, adult treatment program. So yeah, um, and just great. It worked with some great people all along. Uh, Randall Lee, uh, Wyatt Webb, um, Byron Metcalf, um, David Osinga, um, of course Jeannie, Guy Freeman, um, and uh, and now uh, um, been fortunate enough to work with Cindy Stewart Freeman. So um, yeah, so I've had a uh, a lot of mentors along the way. Yeah, yeah. It just reminds me, um, we were actually going through the archive a couple weeks ago and, you know, all the pictures that we have, some of you, Uh so we might see those on the show kind of pulled up at different segments. I'm not sure, but some of Randall, Cindy, Guy Freeman, and and many others. And it just struck me that, you know, any place that's been in business over 50 years is going to have, you know, multiple generations of people who have worked here who have helped build the legacy of Cumberland, who have been a part of the spirit and the fabric of this place that mm-hmm. um, that are special, you know, you're one of those people. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. But and I, before the show started, you. just for everybody listening, you know, we think that, and I know you might push back a little bit, but you might be the longest tenured employee Cumberland Heights has ever had. It's either you or Jim Threadgill. Yeah. It's kind of crazy to think that, that, you know, Cumberland Heights was like 17 years old or something when I, it seemed like it'd been here forever. Right. You know, when I, I came here, of course, I was 20-something, too, 23, yeah. maybe, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it seemed like it had been here forever. It was, you know, it's always been the farm. Um, and uh, what's cool is I ran into Rob uh, Crichton last week, who— you know, is just a kind of a uh, a solid rock, and um, yeah, yeah. So he certainly has been him, his brother, and his dad. You know, a big part of this, obviously. Yeah. You know, one of our founding families, and still involved today to their credit. You know, still can see them walking around, checking in on things, right? Making sure that we're headed in the right direction. So, well, what memories do you have? I'm sure you've been reflecting. You know, are there any special memories over the past 40 years that come to mind when you think about Cumberland, when you think about your experience? Oh, my gosh. You know, it's just too much to even imagine. Um, um, Part of my, I mean, it's a long time. (laughs) Part of my uh, time here has been working in outpatient, um, you know, for five-plus years. Um, I didn't know that. Working at the co, we we went in. I don't know if it's partners, but we went in on a co-occurring unit at the Parthenon Pavilion. I was, uh, I, I didn't was know that. Yeah, yeah. We provided the addiction counselors, the social workers, and the director was Hank Connor, um, and uh, um, and they provided the nursing staff, the facility, and of course their psychiatrist admitted people to the unit. And that was back when we thought we. Couldn't work with co-occurring folks. Right. So we needed them to get their mental health stuff straightened out and then come back here. Right. So um, that's fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I, was that? Well, I can tell you exactly because <clears throat> um, that was um, in the in the early nineties, like ninety two to ninety six. And I'll tell you why I can tell you exactly because I, I met my wife there. Uh, I 
told people I met my wife at the psychiatric facility, <laughs> which is true. But we were both uh, working there, though. But um, and we were married in in '96. Uh, so, okay, and that was probably after a five year uh, run there. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. we um, uh, Cumberland, we kind of bristled at working with um, folks with co-occurring disorders really not understanding that we were always working with folks with co-occurring disorders. We just weren't doing it purposefully. Right. And uh, intentionally, and and uh, we're doing the best we could. Um, but, um, you know, we're treating the same folks. We're just doing it better now. Yeah. 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 How have our patients changed? Have they changed? Um, you know, the... Probably not. the The volume has changed. We, we're bigger, um, so it's it's um, you know I don't get to know patients as maybe much as I used to. Um, we um, yeah, but I don't, I don't really think I I think Cumberland's worked hard on just being more accessible to more people. Um, I think you're right. You know, sometimes, um, sort of, so I've been here for five years, right? which is, you know, such a fast five years in my life. It mm-hmm. seems like I just started here as an employee yesterday. Um, but one of the things I've discovered is sometime there's an assumption in our community that, that Cumberland Heights, you know, just serves the, you know, um, folks who experience an alcohol use disorder, right? Alcoholics, mm. as you might consider it, and yeah. and and aren't as aware that you know we're fully co-occurring capable, and of course treat those patients every single day, 365 days a year, in all of our programs, um, and that although a majority of our patients experience alcohol addiction, it's also opioids, it's stimulants, and everything in between, right? Yeah. Um, it, so it's interesting as we're as we're growing and as we're changing our relationships in the community, as, as more people learn that they seem to be surprised. And I think that's probably an area for us to maybe work on and focus on a little bit. Yeah. It's, those are just some old kind of hangovers from early, uh, early in our, um, yeah. uh, when, when we were working with patients, we were always known as an alcohol, right. Uh, treatment center. Um, really if, if, um, you know, um, alcohol and drugs, and, and and frankly, early on, if if there was uh, too many drugs, we would be a little afraid of that, you know. Um, but um, we've worked, you know, we work so much better and more intentionally, really for a long time with co-occurring folks now, and and uh, everything we do um, includes, um, you know, how can we do it better with co-occurring folks? So it's. And I, I don't know anywhere else, you know, unless somebody needs, uh, um, you know, they're in danger of hurting themselves or just needs a, a hospital-based program. I don't know of anywhere else that they could get better treatment. Yeah. Really. So, Paul, in your experience, you've got a lot of it, certainly. Um, both, you know, frontline, CA, counselor, and, and today, administratively, leading clinical teams, being a part of a leadership clinical team, uh, what do you think makes a good 
treatment program? What do patients need when they come to us residentially? Oh, that's a big question. Yeah. I, I, um, well, I don't know if I, I guess if I knew that, um, you know, uh, I would, I would go if that's, that's such a hard question. I mean, we, we try to adjust what we do all the time to meet the needs of the people who, who come here. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the, the great things about being here is I, I believe if we thought, okay, there's a better way to do this, we could go to Jay and say, hey, Jay, there's a better way to do this. And he would go, okay, let's do it. Uh, yeah. He might say, how much does it cost? Yeah. Uh, you know, can we, can we reasonably do this? But um, um, we have pretty much have the freedom to do whatever we um, – uh, think clinically can uh, be most effective. You know, I I think um, our limitations. Well, let's not say our limitations. Let's say our our assets are being out here in this farm, 177 acres, where um, you know you can come and feel the um, serenity and the privacy and the. Um, to do that hard work that you need to do. Um, you know, so there's just something healing about the environment. Um, and I know there, you know, are there programs uh, that, you know, aren't in this kind of environment that are good programs. Um, but I do think there's something special about this, uh, um, just just the, the property. Um, and then... Um, and then I, you know, there's a, um, there's just a lot of goodwill out here. I don't know a better way to put it, but um, if you're a, a patient or a family member out here, you're gonna feel that I think when you come out. So um, that you know, I I haven't been around a lot of other programs lately. I used to go around the country to different programs, and I know that. Um, um, I think that's just an important thing that we we have here, and that we uh, we need to keep uh, thinking about that too. Is how how we can make this a more welcoming place for people because it's hard coming to treatment. It's hard when you get to treatment. It's hard doing the work you need to do. So anything you know that we can do to make it a more pleasant experience. Um, I think we need to do that. I think you summed it up perfectly. You know, I mean, what I heard you say is that, you know, our programs are reflexive to the needs of the patient and the families that are sitting right in front of us. And that, you know, organizationally, there's a freedom to change when change is required. Right. And and I would be hesitant and worried if our programs and our culture were rigid mm -hmm. and stagnant and only pursued one avenue of intervention, you know, in support of what's happening in someone's life. And I like the word goodwill too. You know, I think that there is a service attitude out here. Almost everybody that you meet, you know, how can I help, right. you know, um, what's going on today, you know, and 
what might you need to get better? I mean, that, that is, I'll tell you, you know, I was here as a patient in 2010, you were here yeah. and, uh, that's what I experienced. Changed my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I was never exposed to recovery. I mean, I think I saw like a movie or two, you know, that Sandra Bullock movie or whatever, <laughs> maybe 28 days or whatever it's called. Like I, I, I absolutely knew nothing about, right. in fact, when, when meetings were first discussed, I thought they were talking about like business meetings, like, like literally business meetings. Like I, I didn't understand that there was a community of people who identified as in recovery and we gathered in spaces known as meetings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. You know, which you're just, you know, consistent um, places and consistent times for folks who are suffering from addiction to share experience, strength, and hope. I had, I had no exposure to that. And so, you know, I got to tell you, Paul, the, the culture that y'all created for someone like me was just a lot of freedom to be who I was. I mean, that was really the change is mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel like I had to hide anymore. I felt this immense uh, identification mm-hmm. that perhaps I, I didn't know was available to me. Yeah, what a what a gift, huh? To to have um, people who can um, just help facilitate that for you, help um, support you, and in, in being who you are and um, doing the work you need to do. Um, I, I know that still goes on. Um, that um, I was uh, speaking to Jeff uh, Wilson this morning about a shout out Jeff Wilson, young yeah. men's director now, which is amazing to see. Yeah, his growth. Yeah, yeah. He and and he's had a doozy of a first week. Uh, oh, has uh, he? Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, trial by fire. Trial by fire. Um, he can handle it with one arm tied behind his back. Yeah. So, um, but he was talking about a guy who had a real unique um, sort of spiritual outlook. And, it, you know, it got all the way to his desk, and he just said, what do you think? And, and uh, frankly, I, I had not um, experienced uh, what he was telling me with patient before. And, uh, and then— Is it appropriate to share sort of uh, uh, no. themes? Okay. No, got no, it, no, no. It, the it. guys, yeah, it's, it may— it, it I may, got gotcha. uh, Yeah, yeah. may not be, but— uh, but anyway, I had not experienced it before, and and I was a little bit of a, a naysayer. And uh, uh, but be, as we got to talking about it, I realized Jeff wanted to let this uh, patient um, uh, practice his experience, uh, practice this uh, spiritual um, practice that uh, that he believed, and I believed before the conversation was over with, that would uh, help his recovery. And and wouldn't harm a thing, and it, uh, so, but it was just different. Yeah, put it that way. Um, so it's it's really fun to see the staff um, be creative with the patients, as long as it's going to support their sobriety, their recovery, and um, not not hurt them or anything else. You know, and the other the other part about that is is the guy he was working with was in his twenties and I'm in my sixties, so you know there's there's that. So it, um, thank goodness there's guys like Jeff who can interpret that for me. <laughs> sure, it was good stuff. Well, I think a well-rounded community is a good thing for anybody, you know. So I, I remember you know being in 300 and uh, you know I roomed with a fullback from the University of Miami yeah. who was an interesting character to say the least and was surrounded by 
young people and old people, all different shapes and sizes. And that, mm-hmm. that milieu was special. And I, to be honest, when I walked in, I thought, I, I don't know if I can identify, you know, it's, it's so easy to disconnect, you know, and, uh, kind of looking for that really. Yeah, exactly. How, how yeah. I don't identify and yeah. Right. Yeah. The spirit of Cumberland Heights can kind of do a number on you in that way. And I hope that I, I do agree. I hope that that, I hope we continue to protect that. I, yeah, I do too. I did the same thing. I, I came into treatment and, uh, uh the first uh, meal was lunch. I got my tray and I set it down at a table purposefully where no one else was sitting. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I, I went to get my drink and come back, there was some guy sitting across there, and he had a, a goofy grin on his face, and he was just trying to make me feel welcome. Uh, but I, I, I had kept a car key in the pocket of my billfold, a little place there. I thought, I'm ah. out of here. Yeah. I, um, so, yeah, it was it was kind of a um, – I didn't think I could identify with anyone here either. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how long were you here as a patient? Do you remember? It was just uh, 30 days. Yeah? Yeah. Do you remember your counselor? Yeah. Who? Mo Holleran. Uh-huh. Old um, Irish Catholic alcoholic, Ladakh, um, who was just the greatest guy on earth, you know. And he, we would go in group with the big book, and we'd read a chapter and— <laughs> Everybody would share a story about how they related, and you know, sometimes we'd all be laughing. Sometimes there'd be some tears, and and uh, um, but we always, uh, you know, left there um, kind of feeling connected, yeah, and uh, um, seeing uh, um, uh, just looking at ourselves in a a way that wasn't um, uh, wasn't full of shame, and you know, like we walked came in here with, but um, was like we were, uh, you know, sick people getting well. So, yeah, yeah, it was a great experience. Are there any of your fellow um, patients that you were in treatment with? Are you in touch with any of them still today? I'm not. um, You know, I, um, my group was this, you know, eight guys from. Oh, uh, just eight. Yeah, from Clarksville and. Winchester and, you know, Alabama and wherever. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't, hadn't kept up with them. Yeah. 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 So, so tomorrow's your last day, and I don't want to, you know, right. I don't want to push too hard on tomorrow being the day, you know, or anything like that, but. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's tomorrow going to be like for you? What are you going to do? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here kind of covering for Cindy, who's, um, um, out, uh, celebrating in, in Boston with her daughter, um, graduating, graduating college, graduating yeah. college. So or graduate uh, school rather. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'll, I'll do that. I'll kind of, um, hold the fort down for Cindy. Um, when I leave here, I've got a supervision, uh, group with, uh, CAs and, uh, um, and I'm going home early. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, and I got, you know, I, I think in anticipation of this, I planned a lot of little activities with family and friends. So I'm, I'm going to be pretty busy. And, you know, a lot of retired friends. So they're kind of waiting on me to um, get on out of here, get my fishing license renewed and 
um, yeah. 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 Well, we won't, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let you have your day tomorrow. You know, we'll try not to bother you too much, but, Thanks. um, you know, just for those listening, I just want you, you know, you probably were going to kill me for saying this, but we did, you know, with Cumberland Heights honored you in a way at our mm-hmm. last board meeting that I thought was really special. I don't even know if some of the team are aware of this, but we actually, um, named the dining room porch after you, Paul, uh, and your legacy and impact. And so, um, of course, there's many pieces of you that will remain with Cumberland Heights, and, and one of them we'll be able to see every single day. And um, congrats, brother. I, I just, it's well deserved, Paul. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well deserved. Yeah. So, talk about the future of Cumberland Heights. What do you, what do you hope? Where do you hope we go? Um, future of Cumberland Heights. You know, I, I, I don't really worry that Cumberland Heights is not going to be around in another fifty years. Um, I, uh, um, I don't. I, you know, Cumberland, Cumberland. About every ten years, we'll, we'll kind of look at uh, Cumberland. Looks at its what it's going on and goes, okay, we need this or we need that and we need to um you know move everybody out of this building and build two new, <laughs> new buildings and um but um I I would like to see Cumberland um yeah you know it's it's hard to I don't think it needs to grow necessarily. I think it needs to rest and just uh do the good work. Yeah. In ten years, the trees the trees get a little bigger, um, and uh, just kind of hone what we do. Uh, Cumberland Heights is is doing just fine. I don't yeah. I don't know that it needs anything. Yeah, yeah, it needs to kind of just keep sharpening its tools and doing doing the good work. Yeah, yeah, and investing in our people and. Um, you mentioned Jeff. I, I, I'm thinking about Jeff, someone like Jeff, you know, who, right. you know, experienced Cumberland in a lot of ways personally and now professionally and has really grown up, you know, as part of this team and has now had the opportunity to lead his team. I hope we continue to see more of that. I think that's something mm-hmm. special about our culture, you know, is right. there's a lot of people that have been a part of this team for a long time mm-hmm. and uh, it creates uh, a healthy milieu. You know, it it does. You know, uh, um, and just different people from different um, angles of what we do. Jennifer Sudak, and uh, who who's always kind of keeping us uh, um, keeping us in compliance and doing it uh, in a fun way. Um, um, uh, Vivian and Travis, and um, just what a great team. Yeah, yeah. Some hidden heroes, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jennifer and quality management, you know. It's the best. Andrew Cassidy, you know. He's the Building best. and grounds. Yeah. Jimmy Jameson, yeah. secure infrastructure, you know. Stays hidden in his office. <laughs> working hard, yeah. He's a rock star. Emily Polk, you know. These oh, are the yeah. people that are, that, that, yeah. that. Uh, Vivian and Travis and Melissa and, mm-hmm. and and many others, all the counselors, you know, they, they, they're they the ones that hold Cumberland Heights up, you know, day in and day out. You, 
Right, you know, K. Harris. You you don't Kay Harris, yeah. you don't really uh, see these guys. They're out there doing their deal, but um, um, a lot of good folks. Yeah, in in a lot of years of service, a lot of them have been here a long time too. Yeah, so it's a good it's a good kind of healthy mix of new and and uh, people that have been here uh, longer. So yeah, yeah. So we have an event September twenty eighth. Actually, um, we're calling it Homecoming. And it's the first of an a first annual. It's the first one we're doing. We're going to do it annually, and it's going to be for staff alumni. You might not have heard about this yet, no. But we're going to bring back as many staff alumni as we can um, here on campus in September. So I mm-hmm. hope we can. Uh, oh, sounds fun. Get you to RSVP. We're going to have you know prime rib, and there's so many people that have been touched right. by Cumberland, and we want to bring all of them together in a, in a in a space that you know celebrate what everybody's been able to do. So um, right. we'll be in touch with you on that. So, okay, la- last question for you today, and then I promise we'll let you go. Right. Let's say one one more thing. Please. Uh, Casey Hyatt, who's our alumni uh, services guy, you could not have picked a better person for that job. So yeah, um, he, uh, uh, um, yeah. So anyway, he. Yeah, he, Casey's a warrior. Alumni services, the picnic, our recovery care advocates, like, you know, you want to talk about an impact. His team, you know, literally boots on the ground every single day, touching every patient. Just amazing, yeah. You know, that comes through our doors. Yeah. And I know Johnny's kind of, Johnny Rosen's kind of right there sort of uh, keeping an eye on things and, and uh, uh, working with the alumni too. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, if there's anybody that's represented the most in our archive, it's you <laughs> Johnny, and Johnny Rosen. You know, and 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 always highlighted in several of the pictures. So, um, so my last question for you, Paul, is just about the patients that you know aren't here yet. You know, maybe even the folks that aren't sick yet. But we know that addiction's not going away. You know, we know that lives are still going to be touched. You know, mm-hmm. by this horrific disease. And I wonder what you'd say, you know, to the families and to folks who are out there struggling with addiction. Um, you know, I just say, don't wait, don't wait. And, you know, you can sit and think about it and contemplate it and try their avenues. But, um, um, it's, you know, it's just so nice that the stigma is not, uh, there like it used to be. And, and if there's any hesitation, um, if there's, uh, you know, if you have a problem, get help, don't, don't put it off. Um, putting it off can be, uh, um, you know, you may may not have a second chance. Um, so uh, take some action, do the deal. Uh, it's it's like anything else, uh, if, uh, any kind of other problem you have. If you put it off, um, it's just probably going to get worse. And uh, it was, you know, it was so fun. I'm not a big golfer or golf fan, but I was watching one of the tournaments and the guy won the tournament and they interviewed him. And so what do you, you know, what do you have to say? And he said, I, you know, I'm grateful for my sobriety. I was like, what in the world just happened here? You know, um, that, uh, that it's, uh, so, uh, um, uh, so, uh, okay for this guy, you know, who, right. uh, to get up and talk about that. And I just thought that was wonderful. Yeah. And how many other people, People 
um, hitting golf balls, you know, uh, or whatever. People that his audience just might have heard that. Yeah. And went, wow, you know, maybe I need to look at whatever's going on. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I would say that to people is just don't put it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Nick. Wish you luck. Thank you. We love you. Love you. And your impact. Yeah. And we expect you to be out here. Not too much. I know you want to enjoy your retirement. You know, don't feel any pressure about that. But it goes without saying. And and, uh, Paul Citro is always welcome at Cumberland Heights. So we appreciate you, brother. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you.